Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. So, let's, so 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10. So we're starting uh, a new series called Brand New. It's actually our theme for the year. Uh, so the Lord w- is saying that we will become brand new. How many are excited about that? Yeah, yeah, brand, brand new, brand new. So then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah, on the border of Benjamin. Then uh, we'll say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats and another three loaves of bread and another a skin of wine. Then they will greet and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept them. After that, you will go to uh, Jebeh of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played for them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. I say you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for the Lord God is with you. So today I'm going to talk about something is about to change. Something is about to change. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We come expecting, Lord God, a move from your spirit, Lord God. Thank you for being our Father, Lord God. Something is about to change. We know that you're doing something. We may not see it, Lord God, but we sense in your spirit that change is coming. Change is coming. So we welcome you in this place. We welcome you in our hearts today. Thank you for calling me to preach your word, Lord God. What a great honor it is that you choose a guy like me to minister your word, Lord God. So think with my mind and speak through my vocal cords, Lord God. Let it be you, God. Let us hear your word, your heart this morning, Lord God. Hallelujah. We don't want regular church. We want to see your presence in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give him a shout this morning. Yes. 
I came. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. You may be standing in the house of the Lord. You may stand in the house of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So I love to um, talk to missionaries um, that um, <clears throat> that go to other countries, especially uh, the the poverty one, the poverty ones areas. Um, I love to talk to them about their experience of of Christianity there, and they often uh, talk about how amazing it is that um, they uh, the people there love and worship God in the worst conditions. Wow. Come on. Come on. Like I said, it's amazing because they don't have the same opportunities that we have. But they love, it's so tangible, they, they love and worship God. It is amazing. And then they, they talk about American Christianity, how spoiled we are because we don't know what it's like there to have less. Like how we, some people worship God only in the best conditions. It's amazing. They, they find it amazing. They are fire for God with less. And so what they discovered is that like what we have in common, we both have in common is the word of God. Right? But when they read the word of God, they read it to change them. But sometimes when we read the God, word of God, we read it to change our situation. God did not put Jesus on a cross to change our situation. He put him on a cross to change us. He is after us because if he changes us, we can change our situations. Do you believe that? So God is after us. He is after us, not our situation. So here in our text, Israel is looking for a change. They're looking for a change. They're looking for a king to fight their battles. So they rejected God, and they asked Samuel for a king to fight their battles. Now, now Israel, we know that Israelites have been um, in, enslaved for so many hundreds of years, and they had a hard time transitioning into the people that God called them to be. See, God, what, uh, the goal was God wanted them to have a, a kingdom mentality be, because our God is a king yeah. and the earth is his dominion. And he prophesied. He said, he said, let us uh, uh, make man in our own image so that way man can rule. Right? So it started with Adam. So Adam had a garden, garden to himself, right? To rule over the garden, right? But when he rejected God, he lost his dominion. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And so here's the, the Israelites here, they are rejecting God as king. Listen, if, you re if we reject God as king, he will give us another king wow. to serve. He's not, he will not deny your request because we have free will. We have free will. So, so God told Samuel to anoint Saul. 
to anoint Saul. He says, and, and you know, Saul had some reservations uh, about him becoming king. You know, he didn't think that he was equipped enough to do so. So Samuel uh, uh, pointed out to him, has not God, has not God called you to rule over his inheritance? So what he was talking about, he was saying, has not God, I love that part, he said, has not God called you to rule over his inheritance? Meaning that the people of Israel in the land belong to God, belongs to God and not him. And so that means that that Saul was supposed to lead the people right based on God's will in his mind, not for his own own, own will. Amen. So so here God told Samuel to anoint Saul. So he anointed him. He poured oil down his head. So he was just drenched with oil, drenched with oil. I mean, that is amazing, right? He was just drenched with oil and, um, and, and he was just drenched and just messy. <laughs> Ministry can be messy. Your anointing could be messy. Amen. Because when God anoints you, he will put you in some mess to deal with some mess. And so here, so, so here's just Saul's just drenched with oil, drenched with oil. And I love this because the oil is the indication of something is about to change. Something is about to change. You see, when in the Gospels, when you read before uh, the crucifixion, there was a woman who broke an alabaster box and poured oil down Jesus' head because she knew something was about to change. Life would never be the same. Amen. So it was a it was a prophecy that something was about to change. Amen. I sense in this atmosphere here today that something is about to change. Something is going to change in your life. It is you're going to be brand new. You're not going to be the same again. By the time God get done with you, you will be brand new. Something is about to change. Is anyone here excited about that? I can see an image. I can see God's angels pouring oil all down you. You're just glowing. You're just looking good because he is saying that something is about to change. Something is about to change. That is worth getting excited for. See, Oil, the anointing oil is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. Nothing will change without the Holy Spirit. Nothing will change. Being anointed is not enough. See, this was a private anointing. There were no other witnesses here. This is a secret anointing because God was not ready to uh, bring Saul in front of the public when uh, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't ready to announce Saul as king to the public. So this was a, this is a private uh, uh, anointing. See, see what, whatever happens in secret, right, comes out in public. <laughs> Amen? So he, wa- he, wa- he wasn't ready. See, if God would have crowned him as king, he just would have been an orly king. 
He just would have been an oily king, right? <laughs> right? I don't know if you got that. The oil just would have been an oily king, right? But he had to go through the process of change. So during the process of change, that, that's when he will become kingly. Right? Right? He will become kingly. So, so God had to bring him through a process of change. Maybe you're at that place right now. God's promised you certain things, right? And you're waiting for it to come to pass. You know that God called you to do something great in your life. You've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting, you've been waiting. Maybe you're at the point now that God's going to take you through a process of change. See, the oil was just the indication that something was going to change. It was prophetic. Right now, something, now he's going to take you through that process of change. Hallelujah. 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 Thank God for the process of change. So that's what's happening to Saul right now. So, so the word was 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 spoken over his life. So before God can fulfill the word, right, he had to bring Saul through a process of change. So I'm going to talk to you about three-step process to change. You ready? So the first one was confirmation. Confirmation. He says, you will meet, uh, uh, you will meet two men at Rachel's tomb. And they, you know, so then they will, will, will talk to him about, they will say to you, the donkeys set out to look for have been found. And now that your father has stopped thinking about them and he is worried about you, he is asking you, what shall I do with my son? It was so that Saul knew that it was the word of God. Right. So he so so he gave him. So he sent him out and said, meet two men at, at Rachel's tomb. See, if there is no confirmation, there will be no transformation. If you don't confirm that God's word is true, it will not change you. So God had to confirm his word. Listen to my word. Listen to my word. Listen for my word. Amen? See, God wanted Saul to have faith in his word and not his feelings. God wanted Saul to have faith in his word and not his feelings. We got to break that spirit in our lives. That spirit of trying to feel something, trying to feel God. Amen? He don't operate like that. Sometimes we, we, we lose focus on the facts, right? And we lead with our feelings, and if we feel it, then we'll have faith. But that's not how God works. That's, that's just not how he works, right? It, it doesn't, no, it doesn't, he doesn't work like that. The fact was that God told Saul that I have anointed you to rule over my inheritance. That was a fact, right? So God's order is facts, faith, and then feelings. Facts, faith, and, if, and then feelings. So facts form the foundation. Faith rests on facts and then feelings. See, for most people, feelings are the, the driving force, right? They, they, they want to feel. So if you feel the driving force of something that is true. So if you feel it, it must be true. If you don't feel it, it must not be true. 
But that's not how God works. That's not how God works. Facts is something that is true. For example, two plus two is four. That's a mathematical fact. No matter where you go in this world, two plus two will always equals four. You believing it doesn't make it true. It's true all by itself. It'll make it true just because you believe it. It's true. It's true. That's the same with God's word. God's word is true no matter what. It's facts. Are you with me this morning? So we need to get this. See, as important as faith is, it cannot stand alone. It must rest on something that is true. Something that is true. It must rest on the word of God. It must rest on the word of God. Right? So it must rest on what are facts. We know that Jesus, that God sent his son on the cross to die for our sins. Then he got buried. Then he rose up again. So our faith should rest on an empty tomb. It should rest on the empty. The tomb is empty. He died for us. He took all of our sins, all of our shame with him. And he rose up again. Come on, we serve a living God who's looking after us every day, who's moving and shaking things in our lives, who's looking to change us so that way we can do the work for him, the work of God. See, it's dangerous to put faith in faith. It's dangerous to put your faith first. Amen. It must rest on truth. Because if you try, if you put faith on faith, then you would try to make something true. You'd be making things up. That's not true. It must be according to the word of God. Rest your faith on the word of God. You can't lose. We serve an undefeated God. He is undefeated. He is, uh, no matter what's going on in your life, amen, he is undefeated. And once he get a hold of your heart and he changes you, you will be empowered to change your situation. Is anyone here with me this morning? This is how we fight our battles. Through the word of God, when our faith rests on the word of God and nothing else, our faith rests on the word of God. You know what faith is? Faith is taking God at his word and then acting on it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I'll come, you need to get that in your spirit. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. What he said in your life, what he promised you, it will come to pass. He will fulfill it. He is just trying to change you. You just need to catch up to what he's trying to do in your life. You got to catch up what he's trying to do in your life. He's looking, he's not looking to change the situation. He's looking to change you. But why Rachel's tomb? Why did God tell Saul 
to go to Rachel's tomb. Now, this is Rachel. This is Jacob's wife, Rachel. Um, so for those that um, know about her, she was in labor, birthing a child, and it was a bad labor, to a point where she was going to die, giving birth. And uh, so as she was giving birth, when a baby come out, came out, as uh, she had named the baby, I'm going to have it here, I'm gonna, Benoni, which means sorrow, because she named it after her sorrows. That's the way she was feeling at the time, the hard labor that she was experiencing. So Jacob came and saw his wife, his baby, and he renamed the baby Benjamin, yes. which means strength. So where's the connection here? Where's the connection? Well, we know how successful Benjamin was, right? We know Benjamin was one of the 12, 12 tribe. And so Saul came out of the, the Benjamin tribe, the, the tribe of Benjamin. So here's what the Lord is saying to Rachel. Here's what the Lord is saying to Saul. And here's what the Lord is saying to us, that your labor will not be in vain. Look at it, Rachel, you just birthed the king. So something that's in you, something in you, you're going to birth something powerful. What's in you is you're going to birth something powerful. God is saying to us this morning that your labor will not be in vain. He's saying that I'm up to something. Something is about to change. So if you are in labor to, uh, right now and you're feeling some labor pains, God is saying to some people today, push just push, push. Something powerful is going to come out of you. I'm birthing something powerful out of you. Come on, push. Come on, everybody just say, come on, push, push. It may be painful at the moment right now, but when it's, com when it's coming out, it's going to be powerful, right? It's going to be, you, can birth, you may be birthing a legacy right now in the name of Jesus. Just push, push. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, God had to confirm the word in Saul's life. So that way his faith can rest on his word and not on his feelings. And not on his feelings. So that was the first step. The second one is consecration. So he said to go to the tree of Tabor. You will, you will uh, see three men going up to worship God. Mm. And they will have three goats and three loaves of bread and another skin of wine. And they will offer you two loaves of bread. Man, does that not speak to the coming of Christ? So they will offer you two loaves of bread. And so they knew how important Saul was. And they knew how he would need the bread for his nourishment. So they gave him the two loaves. 
So this reminds me of the Gospels when Jesus was preaching to thousands of people. And the people got hungry. So the disciples came over to, to Jesus and said, these folks are hungry. We, got, we have to feed them. Then there was a boy. He had two fish and five loaves. And he recognized how important Jesus was. So he gave him whatever he had. And Jesus took what he had and multiplied it and used it and used it to nourish thousands of people. So when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord, when we submit ourselves to him, we are saying to Christ that you are the most important thing. And he takes our lives, right, and use it to fulfill spiritual guidance and blessings to others. To others. Are you with me? So consecration is the amount of unconditional surrender to God. Whatever you surrender to God, you never get back the same amount. (laughs) Whatever you surrender to God, you never get back the same amount. He will give you more. If you surrender your life, he gives you a better one. You surrender your heart, he gives you a better one. Amen? David said, "God, God, give me, purify my heart. Purify my heart. He gives you, he will always give you a better one. Amen. If you surrender your, 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 your doubts, amen, he'll give you back faith. If you, if you surrender your fears, he will give you back peace, an abundance of peace. You'll never get back the same amount. Consecration is to make holy or ded- dedicate to a high, higher purpose. And so that's what he wanted Saul to do. That's why this process of consecration, so there were men going up to the mountain to worship. They were consecrating themselves unto the Lord. So he needed to dedicate himself to God's work. It's the process of becoming kingly. Amen. Amen? So God can root out some things that don't belong. So when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord, he's taking things out, and he's replacing it with godly things. He's taking things out. If you have anger problems, he wants to give you peace. He wants to give you a sound mind. He's taking all all those things out, out of us as we submit ourselves, as we surrender ourselves unto him. Saul had to completely surrender and dedicate himself to a higher purpose. Has not the Lord anointed you to become ruler over his inheritance? God's calling you to rule something. Something in, in his, something that he, that he owns. And he's call, call, he calling you to manage, to steward. What is that thing? What is that thing? I love it in in Joshua 3, 5, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. 
Consecrate yourself unto the Lord because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things among you. So when you consecrate yourself to God, he will be able to pour into you and he will do amazing things in your life as we submit ourselves to God and nothing else and nothing else. Hallelujah. We need to make a conscious decision to be one with God. Dedicate your soul, heart, and mind, and body to our God. God doesn't make any mistakes. Consecrate yourself unto God. So, so confirmation is the first one. Consecration is the second one. And transformation is the third one. So let's reread this for a second. Let's start in verse 5. I want us to get this. After, after that, you will go to Gibe of God, where, the Philistine, where is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps played before them. And they will be prophesying. The spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands finds to do for God is with you. So here are <coughs> some men coming down the mountain, they were coming from being consecrated, right? Coming from consecrating themselves unto the Lord. So they came, so they came down from the, from the mountain and they were just worshiping. They had all these instruments. They were worshiping God. Man, it sounds like it was really powerful. They were just worshiping God, right? And, and it, was, it was amazing. So it's, it's nothing like being in an environment with people who knows how to usher in the presence of God. See, things change, right, when you know how to usher in the presence of God. That's what's just happening right now. So they were, they were men. They were all prophesying. They were speaking life into each other. They were speaking God's word over them. So they were speaking. They were worshiping. I mean, something changes in, in the atmosphere when people know how to usher in the presence of God. See, I want that here. I want to be around people who knows how to usher in the presence of God. Amen? So people that don't want to come to church and don't play church, they want to see God move. They want to, they want to hear a word from the Lord. They want to see things change in life. They don't want to walk out change. Amen. It's nothing like being in an environment where people know how to usher in the presence of God. Healing will take place. We will see miracles in this place. Amen. When we all come together and we worship him and we prophesy his word over each other, things change in our lives. Things change. The, the, the spirit was so heavy, right? Spirit was so heavy, and Saul, and Saul went to them, and, and, and then the spirit of God fell on him. And the Bible said that he became a different person. Worship may not change your situation, 
but it will change you. It will change you. There might be people here who is, who is in doubt right now of, of who God is and what he's doing in his life. And some people may, may, may be discouraged right now, but your worship, your worship can change the atmosphere in this place. If we could just come together and just worship God, he would, he would change some things in this place. He would change hearts in this place. People would give their lives to the Lord. Amen. We just need a group of people who knows how to usher in the presence of God. It's amazing. The spirit of God came on him. He, he was changed. He became a different person. Only the spirit of God can change you. Only the presence of God can change you. What the world has to offer will not change you. Only the word of God can change you. So we got to get our worship on. We got to put our faith in God's word because that's the only thing that's going to change us. Amen. The presence of God is the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that would change you. So it says that the, the spirit fell on him and he was changed into a different person. Man, that's exciting for me to be changed into a different person. So I may look the same, but I'm changed. Right? I may sound the same, but I'm changed. Come on, I may walk the same, but I'm changed. Amen? So when the devil try to come at me, he can come at me the same way because I'm changed. He can't fight me with the same battles because I already won that one. I am changed. I am changed. I am changed. You got to look to somebody and say, I am changed. I am changed. I just changed into a different person. I worshiped God last night and this morning. I became a different person. I'm not the same person that I once was last week. I'm changed. I'm a new person right now. You may be looking at me. You say, Pastor Jesus, Pastor Jesus. No, I am changed. I've been with the Lord. I went up the mountain and I came down and I worshiped and I became a different person. Amen. Come on, we got to get back the book of Acts in this place. Amen. When they were all in the room together and all of a sudden there was a rushing wind that came in and the spirit fell on everybody and they became different people, different people. Then they went out and they shared what happened to them. Amen. Come on. God wants to change. He's not looking to stop asking God to change his situation and just tell him to change me. Just change me, God. Change me. Change me. And this, this text proves to us if we allow God to change us, we can change our situation. He says, he says when the spirit falls on you, once, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your, uh, your hand finds to do, for God is with you. It says to do whatever your hands finds it to do, right? Because God is with you. So that means that once the Spirit of God falls on you, once God changes you, right, you will always do the work of God, and God will use you to change things. He will use you to change things. Are you with me this morning? That is something to get excited about this morning. Let's look at your hands right now. Look at your hands right now. Look at your hands right now. God is saying to, have I, have I, has I, has God not anointed you to be ruler over his inheritance? That means you can change things. We are children of God. We can change things. We have the power 
to change things according to his will. If we put our, if we rest our faith on his word, we can change things. We can change. You have power to change things. I, I sense the, the, the Lord told me that there's someone here he, he has that have hands he's going to use to heal. I don't know who you are. That your hands, your hands can heal people according to the word of God. We have power to change things. We have problem. We have power to problem solve. We have problem. We have power to speak truth and love to people. We have power to change things as we worship Him. As if, if we put our faith, rest our faith on His Word, we can change things. I don't want to go any further. I want you to stand with me.